0: We are never truly lost. Well, okay, sure, maybe we get turned around for a few days in the woods, where life just feels like it's getting the best of us, and everything's going wrong. And I'm Mike Martin, and I've stood right where you're standing, lost, beaten down like nothing's ever gonna change and that's why I built this camp and that's why I'm inviting you to join me and all the members of this wild community because you know what friend it does get better so come along with me into the wild and let me show you this awesome unique skill set that lays within inside of you with help from the land We're gonna unlock the steward that's inside each and every one of us that will lead the way out of the darkness and into healing here at the camp of healing on Project Mindfully Outdoors. It's a mindset that you don't exactly learn from the pages of a book. It's something that simply grows deep within your heart, but its effects can be more powerful than you may ever realize. I'm speaking, of course, of a mindset that goes beyond just a simple smile or a thank you. It's the sense of true appreciation Not just for when someone completes a task for you or the things that they offer to add to your story or help you to reach a goal. But it's this authentic appreciation for the energy that is at work within everything that Mother Nature places at your fingertips to help you along your journey. It's not about the walk what walk of life you come from or even what role you play in the movie that is the human experience the power to foster and enjoy the simple appreciation for what lays in front of us and all around us is what it is all about learning to put yourself inside of that circle isn't difficult to do But I do have to warn you that once you get a taste of this medicine, you may find that you don't know how you ever lived without it. Because simply put, it applies to every moment of every day. You'll come to discover and appreciate everything from the smallest little thing around you to the grandest and glorious of grip and grins. And I invite you to take this challenge throughout the entire month of November with us here at camp. This is the month where we give thanks for the year that was. To expand that vision and enter every aspect of the story that you have walked in the reality in which you live. This process, it starts small and it grows as you begin to deepen your awareness and build a practice of being mindfully grateful for the world in which you inhabit as we build this practice together within our own lives we then find that our mission becomes to lead the next generation into the world of gratitude as well so join us Throughout the entire month of November As we build and expand upon Our gratefulness Our a gratitude practice And for today's episode project, I think of a better outdoors Teaming up with than the folks at Renew Because after all We spend our time in the field Focusing on mindfulness and meditation So we can bring it home with us And that's where we can team up with Renew because they carry a full line of home-based meditation products but one of their products that I really enjoy are their meditation pillows and I'll tell you why because throughout my practice it's been one of the hardest things for me to find a, a meditation cushion that is both comfortable and durable and the line of pillows and cushions that Renew carries They achieve both. So they hold up to the rigors of being dragged around in the field in my backpack, thrown around camp or in the back of the truck. But they also hold up amazingly and make sitting at home and meditating that much more comfortable. So I think it's something that really becomes the base and the root of building any practices, comfort, and having that durability is just an added plus. So swing down into the show notes of this episode, visit the folks at Renew and check out their organic meditation cushions. And I'm sure that you too will be impressed. And when you use the link in the show notes, the folks at Renew have a special offer for all of us here at camp. everybody welcome to project mindfully outdoors as always i'm your guide mike martin i want to thank you for tuning back in this week i know it's kind of a little difficult and a little different to uh, adjust to the bit of changes we got going on but man the end of the year is kind of honest isn't it we're moving into November now, and I'll tell you, where a lot of things are wrapping up, a lot of other things are really amping up. And it's getting extremely busy and extremely crazy. So I'm grateful that you guys are uh, giving me a lot of good feedback about this, dropping down to one episode a week, and understanding that, you know, with the uh, gap in between the time that we get together. There's a lot of cool new projects that I'm working on. And you know what? Today is kind of one of those examples. I mentioned last week how I wanted to do more than just the typical Wednesday episode with, you know, featuring an interview with one with a guest and whatnot. I wanted to actually uh, continue to touch base and you know, provide something for you to uh, tune into and think about as well. And I think that actually this all really ties in well for today's episode and sets up the interview aspect of this really well. Because uh, I got to recently sit down at the campfire with Kyle Gellett, who uh, you're going to find out is actually... Really bringing a lot to this conversation today He's just released a brand new book Which is called Seg Leadership And that's a lot of what we talk about today Is this idea around leadership But not only on an outward level of You know, really leading other people But also how we can apply those same concepts and ideas to ourselves And I think that that's really one of the most important values and aspects of this whole conversation. Because when you find yourself in a leadership role, and that's one that, regardless of the context, at some point in life, Alright friends, so you know that the biggest theme around camp this year has been celebrating that connection going into this hunting season, but the underlining theme is all about the improvement of mind, body, and soul, not only in the field, but in everyday life, and recently on the podcast, I had an opportunity to turn to my good buddy Zach, the co-founder of True Wild. And we really explored and discovered just how important it is to add a supplement regimen to uh, preparing for and really staying out in the field. You know, just being in that peak performance condition. And, you know, when it comes down to it, turn into somebody that skipped their high school prom to get out in the wild and chase the thrill of the adventure. I think has a pretty powerful statement when it comes to giving advice on the idea of adding supplements to strengthen your abilities in the field. So swing on over to TrueWild.com and use promo code Michael20 to save 20% on your order and get you started. That's TrueWild.com, promo code Michael20. Stay wild my friends Kyle, how you doing tonight, my friend?
1: I'm good, Mike. Good to meet you. I love your setup. Like I was saying before, it, that's pretty sweet. Authentic, for, <laughs> for sure.
0: Almost oh, definitely. You know, I mean, you're catching me, actually, as uh, I'm starting the celebration and the final countdown to opening day. So it's going to be yeah, a I fun have
1: some, I have some buddies that are very stoked about their season coming up here, too. So Where about you at? Uh, Pacific Northwest. So two hours north of Seattle. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, there's nothing like getting out in the woods and connecting with the land, harvesting your own food and uh, you know, doing things right.
1: 100%. Do you, do you spend a lot of time doing the, you know, the farming or not the farming, but the harvesting and the gardening and all that kind of stuff?
0: Man, I can't raise a plant to save my life. Plants oh. come to me to die.
1: <laughs> so so your your gathering is, is in the grocery store, but your hunting is legitimate hunting.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> well, the gathering is kind of like, you know, when I find some stuff uh, while I'm out in the field, I'll take that with me. Cool. But yeah, outside of that, it's kind of uh, if I need, you know, veg- vegetables and whatnot, I got to turn somewhere
1: nice our our garden is just on the other side of this wall in my office and well besides the deer eating our lots of our fruits and vegetables it didn't do that great this year but it was our first first year in this house that we've had a garden so we'll we'll step it up next year and make a much better situation and actually eat some of the food from the garden so
0: <laughs> so that's the other cool part about the hunting in not being able to garden so well, I can always trade the meat for, you know, whatever comes out of the garden. So it
1: definitely works. Totally true. Do you ever watch alone? I love that show. Yeah. I love that show so much. It's those folks are, they're next level, man. It's crazy what they know what they're capable of and what they put up with. You know, it eight hours of me being hungry, I'm like gonna shoot somebody and they're they're out there <laughs> multiple days not hardly eating anything. It's amazing.
0: It's you know what though it really highlights exactly what the outdoors will teach you is how to get through adversity. Yep. And also how to think outside the box when all these different obstacles come up.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: And I feel like you know, this really segues brilliantly into exploring the idea of accountability.
1: Yeah, you know, I worked at a men's mentoring program for multiple years and a big chunk of it was accountability. They came in rather broken. Uh, Life was very messed up, drugs, alcohol, Broken families. Some of them were addicted to all kinds of different things, whether it was whether it was the drugs or alcohol, or it could just be video games or pornography or whatever. But they were very broken. But the one hundred percent common theme with every one of those guys, no matter the severity of what they're dealing with, was a lack of accountability. Their their friendships and their parenting or the parenting they received and the mentorship they received, if any, had no accountability tied to it. There's just they were never called out for their misbehaviors in any serious way that created change in behaviors. And that that was a shocking world to me because when I grew up, I grew up on an orange farm in the Central Valley of California and there's a lot of accountability in my family. You know, be impeccable with your word and and do what you say you're gonna do and all these things. And it was just an unspoken truth and to live in this facility and then eventually be part of it in other roles be around a bunch of guys that never experienced that before and try to teach them how to be accountable. It's it's craziness, but completely necessary in business and obviously in life as well. So I love talking about accountability. (laughs) You know, I grew
0: up in that situation where like accountability was basically, you did kind of, you followed the rules in order to prevent the punishments. There was Mm -hmm. never any, you were never really taught the authenticness of holding yourself accountable.
1: Yeah. How did that play out?
0: You know, it played out where, uh, basically you just kind of run, I guess you kind of run wild for a while because you realize, you know, there there's things that you got to achieve throughout the course of the day and the week and whatever, like holding a job because you hold a job, you get paid so you can live but outside of that it's like just it's madness you know there's no there's no real thought that goes behind hey if i block or if i don't do this then you know i'm it doesn't really make a difference because nobody's really holding me accountable to it and then it starts building problems and then you start seeking out vices and different ways to transcend and ignore those problems to quiet that little voice in your head Mm-mm.
1: Yeah. And we all do it in different ways, right? Some, of, right? some of us are more crafty and subtle about it and others of us are more obvious about it, but we do. That's an interesting point that, that voice, I, I still have in my head, the voice of my, one of my first mentors, his name is Jack. And I used to run a pet resort in, in, uh, on the central coast. And I remember walking with him through, through the property and passing a piece of trash on the ground. And we walked right past it. And then he turned to me and he's like, why didn't you pick that up? And we had this conversation that took maybe a minute and a half or something where he explained that you saw the piece of trash, but you didn't pick it up, but you know, you were supposed to, but you didn't pick it up and you didn't go with your gut that said to pick it up. And ever since then, I've been so many times, obviously, when I see trash, it happens again. But in other situations and much bigger deals, you know what your gut is telling you. And that conversation, along with, you know, obviously the parenting I received, but that conversation is real poignant in my head that, hey, there's a piece of trash, pick it up. Or you shouldn't talk like that. Stop doing that. Or whatever it is, there's that voice that, that I started to be more obedient to and started to hold myself accountable more often. And, but that was, man, I don't know why that one started, stood out to me so much, but it does.
0: No, you know, I think actually as uh, you tell that story, it hits me where through that lack of teaching and the lack of accountability that you learn, you don't develop that ability to say no to that little voice inside your head, mm-hmm. you know, it, and ultimately it creates a suspicious cycle where since you're not picking up that trash or you're going across boundaries that you know are boundaries that you shouldn't cross, but you're going to anyway because there's no second guess to it. You know, We don't care what the results are because we never had to really face them before that, so what's different now? And I think that really sets you on a path where all these different things start to form a bunch of mud in the road in front of you you get stuck in the mud and then you realize, man, at some point I made a left turn, uh, left turn when I should have went right. My compass was never actually magnetized. So Mm -hmm. then you kind of find yourself like second guessing everything, looking for that new angle, but you really don't know where to go. And that's where turning to someone in the field that you're in, I feel is such a positive thing because it kind of gives you those, uh, It gives you those little baby steps.
1: Well, in, in, in my book, I talk about the habits of an accountable leader an accountable person. Like it fits either way. And I, I love acronyms. I don't know if you're an acronym guy or not, but I I love acronyms because they allow me to remember things easier. Cause I don't, I don't remember anything before I was 12 years old. Like I don't have a memory of life before 12 years old. And even my 12 year memory is, is like getting punched in the stomach in elementary school because my Halloween outfit was stupid looking. That's, that's like my only memory from, from sixth grade. So my it's it's interesting why, I don't know why that's how my brain works, but but it is. Um, so I use acronyms and alliteration, pictures and whatnot to help me. But I, I created this thing called the accountability pass and I'll, I'll describe it really quickly. It takes a while if I go the whole deal, but I'll describe it quickly. Uh, it stands for four different things. And the first thing is passive accountability, which is simply the concept of telling a bunch of people what you intend to do and is in, in a pretty good amount of detail so that it's exciting to them, telling them a compelling story of what you want to do. And that might be go on some, some trip, go on a hike, go hunting, doing something like that, or it could be in the business world whatever it is, you tell them a compelling story of what you'd like to do. And then what happens is you tell enough people, some of them follow up with you and ask you, Hey, did you go on that trip? Hey, did you do that vacation? Hey, did you start that business or whatever? And that passively keeps you accountable because they're just coming to you and asking you about it. Uh, they kind of serve as your check engine light, right? They pointed out, Hey, your lights on, are you going to do anything about it? Cause you told them that you were going to do something. Uh, then there's active accountability. Whereas In this case, you take some of those people that follow up with you and you say, hey, can we talk on a weekly or biweekly basis about the goals that you have and the goals that I have and hold each other accountable to achieving them? And for, let's see, 17 years, I had a weekly meeting with either my boss when I was in California or friends up here. Uh, It was I think it was always on Tuesdays for some odd reason, but for an hour on Tuesdays. I'd meet with those guys and we'd, we'd talk about what's going on in life, everything from business to really, really personal stuff. And I would not be who I am if it weren't for 17 years of one-to-one or one-to-a-couple-people meetings. It's huge. So that's that active side of things. And then the S and the accountability passes is structures. And it's the idea that um, there's things that we can put in place like calendars. Typically calendars is, is a huge thing because – that's how you make sure you stay on top of the timing of things and then to-do lists, digital to-do lists, especially in the business world. Uh, Cause then you can be held accountable to the actions you say you're going to take to accomplish that goal and not have to remember it all in your head. But the most important one is the second S, which is self accountability, right? Like none of this works unless you have self accountability. And I like to talk about it by telling a little bit of a, of a story. So Mike, if you think about, I want you to picture a pond, okay? And in the pond, there's this this log. And on the log, there's three frogs. It's a beautiful pond, idyllic, you know, blue blue skies. And just a little bit away, there's two lily pads. And on one of the lily pads, there's a fly, big juicy fly. And one of the frogs looks at the other frog and says, I'm gonna go get that fly. And then you're shocked because frogs are talking And and then you look over (laughs) at the fly and then you look back at the frogs. How many frogs for you, Mike, how many frogs do you think are left on the log?
0: Honestly, there's probably three in the scenario that you're going with because that other frog actually never moved. He just talked about it.
1: Yep. And that's the difference between deciding to do something and committing to doing something. And I I guarantee, Mike, that you know so many guys in your life and other people too that that have said they're gonna do something. They've decided like, yeah, I'm gonna go do that, but then they never follow through, they never fully commit. And I always challenge myself and the people I work with, like what does it take to lose gravity? Because in order for that frog to actually commit, he needs to start jumping off that log to where his toes are basically almost off and then there's no returning. You know, he's committed to that action of jumping after that fly. And the fly can be whatever you want it to be, of course. And that action to jump to the fly can be whatever you want it to be. But it needs to be something that there's no turning back. And people sometimes struggle with that. But that's the accountability pass. Tell your story. Ask someone to engage with you on a weekly or biweekly basis, in person or on the phone or over video. Create the structures, you know, the things that you need to put in place to stay accountable. And then truly commit, figure out what actions you can take so that there's no looking back on whatever thing you're, you're committed to. Um, and that's one, that's one angle of accountability. The other angle of accountability has to do with the conversations that you need to have with people in, to keep them accountable, but that's a, that's a whole other topic.
0: <laughs> well, see, no, I really like that because it ties in a lot to the idea of stewardship, you mm-hmm. know, not only with the land in the way that you can see what's going on so there's your accountability but also within yourself because it's providing you with that big picture that broad picture you're seeing the the progress that's being made by caring for in this case yourself you're seeing how you begin to grow and how how you take roots within not only the accountability aspect but also Just within this whole process of self growth and with healing and facing all these things that may have gone wrong in your life that you've kind of stuck in the backpack and you're carrying and trying to work and trying to get rid of those, you know. And that's also where like the conservation idea comes in because life is just this big uh, journey of trial and error. You know when we hit a when we get to a point where we expose ourselves to a new idea, much like when you walk into something like accountability and self accountability where you haven't grown up with that, you're exposing yourself to a new idea because that old picture was kind of decaying everything it was killing everything around you, and you know with the conservation, we did the same thing we killed you know, everything. And they were like, Hey, we got to change things because they ain't coming back without any help. And that's really how I feel like a a beautiful life story that is worth being celebrated. gets made.
1: Yeah. You, You, I really like, you said picture, and then immediately made me think about how, if, if someone struggles with accountability and it could be just in a couple areas, you know, that it's not like their whole life is a dumpster fire and they, and they struggle with everything. It's just maybe a couple little things or maybe one big thing or whatever. But what would it, what does it look like? What would your life look like if you put down that backpack full of rocks, backpack full of birds and you just dropped it? You said, screw that. I'm I'm done with that crap. And then painting a new picture of what life could be like if you stay accountable to a new way, of taking care of yourself, taking care of those around you, your environment, all those types of things. and often people are just in this blinder, these ruts of they can only they only see what is and they have a really difficult time imagining what could be and they can't picture what could be. I had a conversation with a client a couple of days ago, and I was utterly shocked he he has something called aphasia, I think is what it's called mm, maybe okay. not something like that, but basically he cannot imagine things. And I'm going, because <laughs> he says to me all the time, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. I don't know. And and I'm always shocked by that. And then I come to find out that he literally can't picture. I said, picture a pink elephant. You just pictured a pink elephant. I guarantee it. But he oh, can't. Yes. He can't. And I'm like, that is so crazy. But I think sometimes we believe that we can't get to this other picture in life but it's because we don't take the time to actually picture it and see what's see, possible
0: you know honestly though i don't know that crazy is the right term i think it's unique because yeah. we all carry these all right. these unique aspects and traits that are what's the word for it that are directly tied to our story and that when you add those pieces all together i think that's what makes the world what it is With the help of Copenotes.com, you can turn your smart device, your phone, into the most powerful tool in your mental health journey. That's right, when you sign up at Copenotes.com, you'll receive randomly timed text messages that will help you to train yourself towards the most positive line of thinking. Just visit copenotes.com and use promo code Project Outdoors to save ten (laughs) percent. And, you know, when you have that, that kind of a situation where you can't really picture whether you've got an affliction that causes it or you're just stuck in that mud and you can't picture what anything else looks like. So you say to yourself, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm really going to commit to going forward, even though I don't know what it looks like. And you take a couple steps forward, you know, the wench pulls you out a little bit and then it breaks. So you fall right back into the mud. Instead of giving up, that's where I think you feel you look at it as with the picture of, you know, trial and error. I tried. I made a mistake because I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it feels like, but I'm going to get back up. I'm going to try again.
1: Yeah, it, it takes a lot of faith to do that. Right. You know, faith in yourself. Hopefully, faith in God and a bigger, you know, bigger picture of what what's really going on in the world. And when you do that, then it's a lot easier to go through the mud and to go through the struggles and the failures. Um, because otherwise, I don't know what the reason is. <laughs> know, why would <laughs> why why would you do it anyway? What's the point? But yeah, you, a lot of trial and error. Um, that's for sure. I, I keep on wanting to tell you about my Mount Shasta trip just cuz this is an outdoors thing. So I got I got to tell you about Mount Shasta trip All right,
0: that's cool. let's shift gears and go there then. Let's yeah. do it.
1: Um I mean I love our conversation. We can go back, but like I keep thinking oh, about definitely step by step and faith and accountability and all these things and and how that the Mount Shasta is tied to that. Do you know do you know where Mount Shasta is? I mean you're from Michigan, so I don't know if you do or not.
0: Uh you know what? I'm drawing a blank off the top of my head.
1: Okay, so it's a fort, 14er by uh, uh, red. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's a fourteener in Northern California, and okay. my buddy turned forty, and he wanted to celebrate his birthday by doing something something that's a big deal. And Shasta's a pretty big deal to climb because there's like roping up and crampons and ice axe and all kinds of stuff. So, eight of us plus two guides went up to Shasta, and the thing about the whole deal for me was. There was a ton of accountability in it because I had to train for it because you're, you're climbing 7,000 feet in one day. And that's a lot of elevation. I mean, it's, it's, it's seven hours of climbing on one of the, on the summit day. And then you go down, uh, gosh, how many, I don't know. I think you go down like 10,000 feet or so. So it's, it's very serious. And so I spent five months training and I just remember training it was in the winter for some of it and then it got into the spring a little bit for some of it but having my dog by my side i don't know if do you have a dog
0: no i do not
1: okay you got to get a dog man
0: <laughs> but i got geckos man <laughs> okay
1: cool so i had i had shelby my my mutt, by my side she's like 30 pounds black dog uh short hair but we we would climb together and I'd be in the middle of snow and snowshoes. I had to bring all kinds of different equipment because the weather would change because the elevation changed where I was training. And I can't tell you how many times I'd be so freaking exhausted as I'm trying to do this thing to train for it, that my dog would stop, turn around, look at me, run to me, and then turn around and run back to where she was. And that accountability, that like, hey, are you doing okay, dad? She'd turn, come to me and then... Then I'd be like, Oh, good dog. Hey, Shelby. And then she'd run back and then I'd keep going. And there was something about having that companion, that partner with me on the hike and the training that, that took me to a new level because I, I would have quit. I can't tell you how many times if it wouldn't have been for the, for that training. So the, the trip was, was, you know, obviously amazing, but it was the, the training was really important and the accountability that came with that through, I knew I was going to need to show up for the hike for for the trip, you know, the overall trip, and I knew that there's going to be seven other dudes that were going to call me out if I wasn't in good shape, <laughs> if you know, if I'm trying to climb up this thing and I can't. And so there's all kinds of motivation, incentive, and um, I don't know that that was a. I could tell you more about it, but that was that was a huge part for me. Was just that having that companion, and then the overall picture of knowing that these other guys were working real hard too to get to the right place and get in shape enough to to do it
0: well no i feel like that was actually a beautiful uh representation because you know i do the same thing with hunting season for me it's like a a year round thing where there's constantly some sort of training going on Mm. because when i get out there i want to be number one in physical shape where I can hike through the woods and, you know, do all those things. And I'm not like falling on the ground by the time I get remotely close to where I want to be, because if I'm falling all over myself out of exhaustion, then, you know, I'm spooking anything around. And then number two, I want to be mentally and emotionally fit as well. That way, when I'm out there, I'll be able to sit for one And then when the time comes, I'll be steady enough within myself to be able to take that shot. And, you know, even though, like I mentioned, how I got geckos and it changes the uh, relationship and that ability to hold you accountable because they're in the tank as opposed to running further down the trail, looking back at you, saying, come on, come on. Right. But, you know, I hear that a lot from a lot of dog owners is you get that. Out of the relationship and it's kind of like, you know, yeah, you you're taking care of the dog, but in return, he's taking care of you, too.
1: Yep. Well, it's a beautiful example, too, of how we need to be treating our friends and our family. Right. Just I I often think about what if the way that. I greeted my wife when I see her when she comes in the house from whatever she's doing, or I come downstairs or whatever, if I greeted her like my dog Shelby greets me, which is wagging tail, big old smile, always happy to see me. She's never disappointed in seeing me. And I'm not disappointed in seeing my wife, but I definitely don't greet her or my children all the time, at least, like that. Big old wagging tail, body language, all excited. There's there's something really powerful about that to to treat people that way. and. We all know people that do that to us. So every time they see us, they're like, Mike, oh my gosh, it's so great to see you. And you, you, that's awesome. Like you want to be around that dude because there's something about him. This just, his enthusiasm is fantastic. And animals do a good job of that. Especially dogs.
0: There's definitely a lot that you can learn from the animal world. You know, just by not only with pets, but just going out in the, in the wild, watching how an animal reacts to its environment and what they do how they go about navigating through the world around them there's all kinds of lessons in there i there was a piece that i did recently about the goose and the fact that you know when a flock when fall comes and the temperatures start to drop and they start to migrate south if somebody in the flock ends up not being able to make the trip there'll be a number of of geese within that flock that stop with them. You know, they Uh. they stay there to either nurse them back to health or watch them take their last. And once one of those two things are met is when they can finally free themselves of it to continue their migration. And I think a lot of that really is kind of missed in the world nowadays, that commitment, realizing that the goal being to get down south is still going to be there you know, you're still going to be capable of doing it. But if you pump yourself into the relationships and, you know, the tribe that you're around, there's so much fulfillment that comes out of that, that adds to the paint palette that we're painting this picture with.
1: Yep. We we moved. I I didn't know that about, about geese. That's, that's really neat. You know, it it makes me think about the military and how there's no man left behind, but um, right when we when we moved from california to the pacific northwest one of the one of the things that we really wanted was was friendships because we ditched all of our friendships i mean nobody moved with us and so we had no friends when we got up here and it was pretty cool within a few few weeks i think we we ran into this couple really connected deeply with them i think we met them through church or something and that was that was awesome and then they moved away and so we lost two best friends within like this nine month window, which sucked. But as we've lived here longer and longer, the the connection with other people and the support of that and knowing that when things happen in our lives, when crap happens, we'll be taken care of. And we know that we will do that for them too because that's what's happened. You know, we've supported them. And a lot of people, I, I, a lot of people have that and a lot of people don't and it and it i've gone through both seasons and it's rough to not have that goose at your side when you're when you're got the broken wing you know and so right fortunately we do right now and it's a big group right now which is wonderful uh but seasons happen so who knows <laughs> but it's been it's been really a, a great thing to have a bunch of geese around us as things are going well right now but who knows life life is crazy
0: And you know what, I think to add to that and throw a couple other fun facts that you probably weren't aware of about geese, migration is actually a learned habit. You know, Hmm. it's a learned thing that they pick up and it only takes one generation of not making the migration for the whole pattern to be forgotten. So I really think that, you know, if you tie that into life and the way that we are You know, really overall as a society, losing track of that commitment to the flock or the tribe, I think is kind of something that we we were taught, you know, even with the accountability. If you're not taught that, it's so quick to just forget.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you have kids? I do. How old? How old are they?
0: I have four. They range from 22 all the way down to seven.
1: Okay, cool. Do you have any sort of like mantras or things that your values or whatever that you're intentionally teaching your kids?
0: You know what? Being a father for me has been kind of a wrecking ball because I never had that accountability for myself. Mm-hmm. But I, with the older two, I've been working toward repairing With the younger two, it's been like this total shift, right? And with them, it's the constant, if you need me, you let me know I'll be there. I'll be there when I'm called upon. And, you know, it goes much deeper than that. But yeah, that's kind of like the key thing is the fact that I'm there.
1: Yeah. There's a story that I I have in my book that that makes me think about there's these brothers, three brothers, and they're constantly fighting. And the dad is so sick and tired of it. They're constantly fighting. And so one day he asks them to to take all these sticks, a bunch of sticks, and they're supposed to break them in half. And so he gives one brother a pile, another one a pile, another one a pile. And so they're all supposed to break the sticks in half. And so they all do it. And it's fairly easy. And then they end up fighting about who did it fastest and who had it the hardest and all this stuff. And the dad comes in again. And he says, "Okay, now I want you to bundle them up. And so they're supposed to wrap them up and bundle them up. And he says, okay, now I want you to break them. So dad, dad goes away. And after a little bit, he comes back and no matter what the sons do, they cannot break the bundle of sticks. And he comes back and says to him, this is how I want you to be as my sons. I want you to be bundled together because if you're together, you won't be broken by anything, but if you're separate, you can be broken easily. And it's, it's this beautiful illustration of collaborations, this beautiful illustration of growing together. And so many, there's all kinds of metaphor and and things you can pull out of it, but it's primarily, you know, that togetherness that is, I talked to my girls about it the other day. I'm like, girls, you have this beautiful opportunity. I have three girls. You have this beautiful opportunity to be best friends with each other for life. You have this built-in best, two best friends in your life and so many other people don't have that. And I just briefly they're not very old so just briefly talked about how they can be bonded together in this beautiful way and and always forever in their lives they can be best friends to one another. But they have to work at it a little bit. It's not just going to happen. And whether they got it or not I tried to keep it brief, you know, cuz too many words goes right over kids heads, but I think it got through to a certain degree. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs>
0: no that's that's also you know a really important aspect of life is that mentorship and parenting aspect when you do have kids because not only are you teaching them but it's like a give and take you know you give them your knowledge your wisdom and in return they're giving you this perspective and this wisdom that you probably overlooked because you've been so caught up in living life the way that you have lived it, that you lose sight of those simple aspects of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You get, you get in a rush. How do you, how do you get out of that? Like for you personally, when you're get into that mode where you know, you shouldn't be, how do you personally break out of that?
0: I think it comes with probably a little trigger that gets flipped in my head that says, you know, You're rushing and then I'll ask myself, what am I rushing to? And ultimately the answer is, you know, nowhere because I'm going to get to that same place no matter what. But if I slow down, I get to enjoy it. And if that doesn't work, then because I'm aware of what's going on, it's time to meditate, you know, even just do some breathing practices. And if that that persists, and it carries on until I'm getting to the point where I've got some free time, then I know that I'm off balance and without a question, it's time to hit the woods or hit the water and, you know, decompress.
1: Makes me think about waiting. Like in, and as you hunt, there's a lot of waiting right, and right. there's a, I can't remember what the scripture is, but in there, it talks about that love is patient, right? Love is kind, all those things. But then also, so is the, like the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and patience. And it's, and as I've done a little bit of research on patience, it's not about, it's, it's about how you behave in the waiting. That's what patience is about, how you behave in the waiting. And I found that really interesting. And I'm, I'm wondering what have you learned from all the waiting you have to do when you hunt and like, how has that informed your life in other areas? You
0: know, I'm going to have to go with, uh, I don't know the past couple of years because before that I was in the crowd that, you know, I love the hunting, but I hate the waiting. Now it's, right right up there with the waiting being probably my favorite part of it because it's turned into this experience where I've developed this mindful practice when I get out there you know it's all about that connection to the land the actual hunt itself is like probably the smallest little piece of the whole experience but I've developed that sense of um that sense of confidence and that trust and you know really when i say that though it's kind of ironic because up until i hit that major shift in my life you know these were all things that i would do when i went out anyway and i had no problem trusting myself and you know being able to rely on myself to get those things done but when it came to coming into city life in the everyday world Man, those were the farthest things from my vocabulary. And when I hit that point where not only it was about, it became about accountability, but it became about dealing with other things in my life too, I realized that when I brought those skills, you know, that frame of mind from the outdoors into everyday life, it was a little bit easier, it was a little bit stronger. You know, the perseverance was there. The trust was there within myself. The thinking outside the box came mm. a whole lot wider.
1: I was I was thinking about that you got free, right? Bec- now you're in a place where your mind is free and you're much more comfortable and that carried into your, your personal life as well. And I think people feel trapped by accountability, but you're not. You're actually very free if you're accountable because you, you're not you're not feeling bad about what you didn't do or what you should do or what you, you shouldn't do. There's there's none of that crap going on. You're just You're free because you know what you should be accountable to it or to, and you are, and you, you have the beliefs, you have the convictions, you have the goals, whatever, and you stick with it. But within all that is there's a, there's a ton of freedom because you could do whatever you want within the freedom of staying accountable to what you say you're going to do or what it is that you're being held to complete. And that frees you up to do what you did, which was your mind broke free. I, I remember, so I used to, I used to work for a, a all kinds of different businesses, right? Like I had various jobs. And when I quit my HR job four and a half plus years ago now and started my business, I remember very vividly about maybe three weeks in, just just maybe a month in, I was the smartest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> and it was because I was... I had the freedom to be accountable to what I wanted to be accountable to. I had the freedom to make my own decisions and honor those decisions. And I wasn't being held down by whatever other people and perspectives other people had. Now that's not to say that everybody needs to run their own business to have this type of freedom and to get to the place where I got. But for me, I needed that own control over what, I was supposed to do what the expectations were because the expectations that other people had on me held me back. Ultimately, that's what was happening. I was far more capable than what their expectations were on me. And I, I was, I was like that, that race car that that only got to fourth gear and there's six of them. And it's like, I, got, I need to get to fifth and sixth gear. Dang it. Let me do it. And so I, you know, eventually obviously I quit the job and that's what allowed me to get into those other gears. And, but I didn't know I had those other gears at all. But once I became truly accountable to whatever it is that I wanted to be accountable to, and you can do this while you have a job, you can do this in any context, but for me, it was in my own business, man, it set my mind free. It set me free. It jumped up the confidence, all kinds of things happen. I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that, but that's all of a sudden I knew I was far more capable than what I had been told.
0: Absolutely. Because for me, it's been like, uh, it's been kind of like this space to, uh, learn how to live within the moment and just experience things better because you've got the accountability based on the things that are important to you and the vision of yourself that you see. And it ultimately, it's like, uh, it's like the roadmap to get to where you want to go. Yep. So, uh, as our time starts to wind down though, I got this question that I love to hit everybody with once I get them all good warmed up <laughs> <laughs> from the trails of your life. Leave us with some inspiration and thought provoking words.
1: Yes. I teach my kids three primary things and it's taught in various ways through example, through words. And they're my values kind of summed up pretty simply, but they are first, love God, second, love others, and third, love learning. And if I believe if my kids can honor those values and honor those things, they're going to be squared away. They just will be because loving God does so much, right? Loving others is all about. The social piece, it's about growing yourself, it's about friendship. So many things are good about loving others. And then when you feel stuck in life and you're not sure what to do, if you love learning, you're going to be able to overcome it. So for me, I want to challenge people to consider those three things. Obviously, loving others is pretty obvious, but some people don't consider loving God. And a lot of people don't consider love learning because I know a lot of people that don't read at all. They don't try to educate themselves or grow themselves very much. And that's unfortunate. But when you love learning, it takes you to a new level. And the, the people that you've loved in the process come with you. I just published my book or well, I just launched it. And I can't, I'm I'm not shocked, but I'm surprised by the number of people that I only know a little bit, but I've loved on them that are supporting me. It's really beautiful. And that's what I want to challenge people with.
0: I love it. So, uh, speaking of the book, you've got to let everybody know where they can get in touch with you, find out what you got going on, and get a hold of it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I'm a I'm a business coach, and I created a, a four part framework called Sage. And Sage stands for self awareness, accountability, growth, and empowerment. And those four pieces are all broken down in my book into a framework that helps people become people first leaders. Because in my experience working with blue collar businesses and a lot of other different types, when leaders treat people that way, when leaders put people first, their business excels, their business gets to the next level. So you can find me, go to sagemindset.com. To get the book, you go to book.sagemindset.com. Again, that's book.sagemindset.com. Right now I'm doing a pre-launch special. So I'm signing the book. There's a guide that comes with it. There's uh, discounts on the courses and whatnot that I have. And uh, it'll fully publish on November 1st. So really stoked. It's been a 15-month journey to get this thing out there. And it's it's been fun.
0: Awesome. It's been fun. I'm really glad this uh, came together. Thanks for doing this, man.
1: Yeah, thank you, Mike. appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. I'm <laughs> not
0: <laughs> So we here at Project Mindfully Outdoors, namely myself, recently joined the 52 hike challenge. And I think you should too, because just one mile a week can change your life. See, here's the thing. We all know hiking is a key component to this outdoor healing journey that we're on, right? Just that alone makes this the perfect partnership and it really is something that inspires us to uh, stay on the right track, right? And what happens is when you sign up, you pick a plan, and they set up a, a system that helps you to meet all the goals that are built around that plan that gets developed. And it's simply the goal of one mile a week. There's That's totally doable. They check in with you. They help you to stay on track with motivation and cool prizes to display that you can tell all your friends about. So right now I'm currently working my way through through the standard challenge and I'd love to see you visit 52hikes.com slash project hike to sign up and join me on this amazing 52 week hike challenge. I'll be waiting at the trailhead for you. That is all that is it that is the end we have reached the end of yet another edition of project mindfully outdoors and i hope that you gain something very important out of this conversation and really out of this whole episode and i look forward to sharing the entire month of november as the month of gratitude around camp with you and building that practice so until next time Get out there in the wild. It's where the stillness and the adventure lies. See ya. Hey friend, it's Mike. And as we wrap things up, I want to take one last opportunity to celebrate the fact that you're here with me at camp today and say thank you for tuning in. And I also would like to remind you that we recently released Letters from Camp, the first season of Guided Meditations. And it's currently available on the Podbean podcast app, and it's also available as a part of our brand new patreon group the campfire circle so if you've gotten anything out of this podcast or if you enjoy it i highly encourage you to swing by and uh join the group over on patreon the campfire circle so until next time my friend get out there in the wild you know that's where the stillness and the adventure lies see ya